Sweet Tea Podcast. Here's your host, Andy Burrows. Welcome everybody to the DC Tweet Team Podcast. This is episode number 57. I am your host, Andy Burrows. As always, I am joined by my good friend and co-host, DC Tweet Team founding member, Mr. Maurice Hawkins. Maurice, good day to you, sir. Hey, Andy, how's it going today? <laughs> it's, it is good, my friend. It is good. It's getting a little bit chilly over here in the UK now, my friend. I am not going to lie to you. I am getting quite cold, but always a pleasure to talk to you, buddy, and always a pleasure to talk some uh, Washington football. So um, let's get into, obviously, the news that's obviously broke over the last day, day and a half, that um, we are now playing Monday night football, prime time again. We did such a good job on Thanksgiving that they want us back on prime time again, Maurice. Uh, what are you thinking now that the game's been moved to uh, to Monday night? I think it gives us some extra time to prepare for, you know, arguably one of the best teams in the NFL, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, who are undefeated uh, right now. We'll see if they remain undefeated um, after they play the Ravens later on this week. Uh, but like I said last week, I think it's to be a litmus test for the team. But I think having a, an extra day of rest doesn't hurt. Uh, it gives the coaching staff extra time to prepare um, for the team uh, to install their game plan. And, um, you know, this is really a nice break for the uh, Washington football team because we haven't played since last Thursday on Thanksgiving. And then to get an extra day of rest, I mean, that's about as long of a period of a time that a team can have between games and it's not a bye week. So I definitely think it works to the benefit of the football team as they travel to Pittsburgh on Monday. Yeah. I mean, what are you saying to the comments, Maurice? A lot of people are saying like, obviously the league have bent over backwards for this uh, Ravens Pittsburgh game, but then the Denver Broncos, uh, I've heard a lot of, I've read a lot, a lot of stuff online today, like NFL websites and various fan groups that are, that I go on. And the Broncos are like, where was this dispensation for us? We didn't even have a quarterback to, have you know what I mean? We had to go and get someone off the practice squad that had never played quarterback. Uh, a lot of people are saying like this game shouldn't be kept getting moved. It's no different to playing, say, Sunday and then Thursday night football. So can you kind of see like the both sides of the argument? Yeah, I see both sides of the argument. Uh I think the issue, and I think I was watching um Adam Schefter when he was talking about it, is that the situation with the Broncos and their quarterbacks being put on COVID uh, reserve injured. Uh, it was kind of isolated to the quarterbacks um, based on how the team had contained um, their screening process for COVID. Whereas on um, the Ravens situation is uh, they have like, you know, a legit outbreak on the team right now. And they're just putting multiple players on uh, the COVID-19 uh, injured reserve list. So I think what they're trying to do is to be sensitive to what the Ravens are going through and keep on postponing the game. Um, and I think the other issue, too, is that uh, this game has massive playoff implications for the league um, as it relates to the Steelers and uh, the Ravens. I mean, as far as the divisions on the line, I mean, even though, I mean, the Ravens, I mean, the Steelers, rather, you know, they have a commanding lead in the division. They've already beaten uh, the Ravens once. So I definitely think the playoff implications are definitely one of the contributing factors why the NFL continues to um, uh, push this game back. Yeah, I mean, I think the NFL are going to move mountains to 
to get this league season finished. But I um I listened to Ron Rivera's press conference that he done yesterday. I caught up on it today. Um when I got home and he was saying, you know, he was asked the question, do you think the NFL season will finish? And he was like of the assumption, he goes, well, never say never, but you know, they'd like it to finish. But obviously Maurice, you're over there in the States. Are you getting slightly concerned with the more and more of these COVID cases are now uh, implicating into the, into the national football league, into the NFL. And, you know, we're getting more postponements. Can you see um, a scenario like Ron Rivera pointed out? He said, well, maybe the league shut down for an entire week. No one plays, no one practices, because obviously at the moment the, fa- the facilities are closed on uh, Monday and Tuesday this week, so no one's around. We can't practice at the minute. But can you foresee a circumstance where if this, if this went on, say, for another week, where the league could say, OK, we need to be down, we now need to take a break for a week to 14 days? Well, I think if that's what the league has to do to finish the season, then that's what the league has to do. I think that um, I think the most important thing for the NFL's concern, I mean, as a um, as a league, and then I think as fans, is that we finish the season and we crown a champion at the end of the season. Uh, you know, hockey was able to do it. Uh, the NBA was able to do it. Major League Baseball was able to do it. Uh, now it's on the NFL. I think the difference with the, between the NFL and maybe the other three sports that I just mentioned, they may have. I don't want to say it's a lackadaisical approach. But you know, hockey and the NBA went into a bubble, and I think that the and the and Major League Baseball went into a bubble when they went to the playoffs, uh, especially with the um, the uh, you know NLCS and ALCS. So I think one of the things that the NFL really needs to consider is that do they want to go into some model of a bubble where they're restricting the you know the movements of the players and who they're interacting with. Um, in broader society, I mean, it worked wonders for the NBA. Uh, you know, you're you know you're at the um, back half of the season right now, so you, I think you need to put all options on the table to see how do you um, protect the integrity of the game, how do you protect the players, um, the coaches, and the, the staff with these teams from COVID nineteen, so they one are protecting people keeping them healthy, but number two, that they can't finish the season out. So I think what they're doing right now obviously is not working because every week, you know, you're seeing COVID cases pop up all over the um, the NFL. So matter of fact, it was interesting. I was watching the uh, Monday Night Football game between the Seahawks and the Eagles, and the Seagull- Seahawks are the only team in the NFL that has not had a positive COVID-19 test on the team so far so mm-hmm. you know quotations mark so that's something that the league really needs to take a hard look at yeah i think it's, it's going to be very interesting like, don't get me wrong like like all of us i want the nfl i want the season to finish you know especially with our team our washington football team doing quite well now you know we've got a real chance of making it uh, into the playoffs so yeah but obviously safety is very important it's just quite worrying to me every time i i, I log on or i look at any any bit of NFL news at the minute it's always seemed to be more COVID cases uh rising more you know everything seems to be revolving around COVID I mean do you think obviously you said we've had a little bit more time to practice but obviously team facilities closed today uh being with me and you are sitting here on the Monday uh on the um Tuesday sorry recording this so facilities have been closed for the last few days do you think that will affect our preparation heading into next Monday's game now or like you say We've got that extra day now, so it shouldn't be really that affected. 
Well, I think anytime, anytime you make an accommodation or, or modification of what you normally do, it's going to affect uh, the team. But I think that, you know, teams should have contingency plans in place to address those changes. I mean, I think right now the most important thing for the NFL is, number one, the safety of, the, of all the, you know, the uh, coaches, players, and staff of the teams. So their, their facilities don't become super spreader facilities for the virus. So that's number one. And then number two, trying to finish up the season. So I think that we and we talked about this at the beginning of the season, how challenging it was going to be for the NFL to play football without a bubble environment. So, I mean, the NBA, I mean, they basically became, you know, like a a utopian society for four months to finish the NBA season. I mean, they were off the grid. They had testing every day. Uh, You weren't allowed inside the bubble if you were not testing every day um and they did it successfully now football is a little harder because 12 12 players or 15 players on a team versus a 53 man roster is a much much higher task but i think that you know each nfl team have access to hotels i saw uh, i think bill cower had mentioned this he was saying that each nfl team needs to basically stay in a hotel they need to create bubbles within themselves you know, just uh, and just kind of restrict the access of the players um, and the coaches for the rest of the season so they can finish it out. Like this is just a sacrifice that they're going to have to take in order to finish their season. Because I think we, if you think about it, right, you know, these players, they're going back to their homes, you know, their families are going out shopping or just, just kids are going to school or whatever, and they're coming into contact with people who have the virus and is infecting the players and then it comes back and impacts the team. So the league really needs to take a look at how they want to approach finishing their season. And the players are going to, have to and the coaches are going to, have to ask themselves, are they willing to make the sacrifice to um, protect their season by restricting the access and the travel of players and coaches uh, to and from the facilities by entering into some form of a bubble. I think that's a, a real, real um, consideration that the league needs to take uh, at this time. Yeah, I think you could be right there, my friend. I mean, obviously, like you say, we're seeing more and more COVID cases, so maybe like a bubble scenario could be could be where they go. But yeah, we will see, Maurice. But at the minute, we are um, we are playing Monday night, my friend. So uh, let's. Um... This, I'm just going to delve into Ron Rivera's press conference from uh, from yesterday, the, uh, the 30th. Uh, Ron done his press conference. It's always interesting to, to hear him speak. One thing that stood out to you, Maurice, and I know me and you have kind of touched on this in previous podcasts, so I'll be out, I want to kind of gauge where you are now from where you were at the start of the season. Um, Ron Rivera kind of, uh, they were asking him about Pittsburgh and they were like, look, they've had like three coaches in like 40 odd years. You know, they are the, uh, they are the, like the standpoint, the standout team for the way you want to run an organization on and off the field. Do you foresee a, a circumstance now where the Washington football team are kind of, uh, we're going that way. And obviously, you know, Ron Rivera's just started, but with everything now that's happening off the field, um, while we've got kind of this, like this mini buy, I thought it'd be a good chance to catch up with you and, get your assessment of how Ron Rivera is doing and uh, how the team's doing off the field. Uh, we, you know, we know things are starting to improve on the field, but have you changed any of your views or opinions from say 
two months ago when we sat down and done a podcast? Well, I think my biggest complaint about Coach Rivera was how he handled the coach, the, you know, the quarterback situation with uh, Dwayne Haskins um, to Kyle Allen, and then now uh, Kyle Allen to uh, Alex Smith. Uh, I think that um, you know Coach Rivera was probably put in a in a challenging situation because you know they wanted to see what they had with Dwayne. But then the same token, you know, there was there there's definitely a sense of urgency with the team that they want to win now. So I think that there was kind of a conflict of messaging from the team as far as are we preparing for the future or we're we trying to win now. So, but I guess given the conditions of the NFC East, where no team is above 500, I mean, and he made the statement that he wanted to compete for the NFC East crown this year, and he said it would be foolish for him to not not to try to do that. So with that being said, you know, it makes sense. Now at the time when he made the decision and the team kept on losing, you know, we were getting frustrated because we didn't see any, anything as a, as a fan base that's like, oh, well, you know, this team can compete for the NFC. So why would he even put that out there? But, you know, fast forward, you know, two consecutive wins later and you're tied for first place with the giants having the tiebreaker right now, then it's a whole different outlet. So I think that, you know, the, the the cautionary tale or the lesson learned for both coaches and NFL fans is that, you know, everything is NFL seasons are, are long. Like, you know, you know, it's there, you know, there's 16 games, well, 17 games that we have to play. Um well, 16 games, 17 weeks in a season, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things can happen. Uh, the outlook of the, of the Washington football team is much, much brighter today than it was two weeks ago um, So w- when we lost to Detroit. So I think that uh, right now, you know, like we said last week after the Cowboys game, that they are still in that control-your-own-destiny uh, mode to where it's like if they were to win out, they would win the division and they would um, – you know, you know, clinch that playoff berth. I think right now that they have to finish a game better than the Giants um, to win the division, uh, just based off the tiebreakers. I don't think they can end in a tie with the Giants because the Giants have the, the, the tiebreaker over them by beating them twice. Um, so um, there's still a lot of football left to be played. I think that. You know, I think for Coach Rivera, which is a feather in his cap, is the fact that he has his team playing um, meaningful football in December. Uh, we're not just playing for draft position. So I think that's a good spot for the Washington football team. And, and I think all of us have to be flexible and understanding of where the team is. I know we were really hard on the team during that, 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 those, those five-game losing streak they were on. And that's, hard, and that's tough. And I've always said that, NFL fans are not built for sustained losing. Like we just can't do it. <laughs> uh, we don't have the mindset or the temperament to tolerate that degree of losing. And I think that, you know, the Washington football team fan base is a proud fan base. Uh, we have very little tolerance for losing. And uh, I think right now we're seeing some stability right now that we haven't seen it in quite some time. You know, we got stability in quarterback with Alex Smith. Uh, we got stability with coaching with Coach Rivera. Uh, we're starting to see some players on both sides of the ball blossom into some playmakers. I mean, of course, uh, you know, you got Chase Young on, on the D-line and Marquez Sweat. 
uh, you know, you got other players that are on the radar screen, like a, uh, you know, like uh, like a Tim Settle, um, and and the, and the new uh, uh, DB Darby. He's been playing really well for us. So uh, there's a lot of good things going on with the with the football team right now. And you know, right now it could go any way. Like we could win the division and make a playoff run, or we could not. But I think that we're in a good position going to the month of December. Yeah, I mean, let me uh, put this one to you, Maurice. Um, I feel a bit better, you know, but the defeats we've had, yes, like you say, and we're not built for we're not built for losing. Unfortunately, you know, we've kind of gotten used to it over the years. But compared this season to say seasons gone by, we we'll say last seasons for argument's sake, I felt a lot better. This is going to sound weird, but bear with me. I felt a lot better losing under Ron Rivera than I did losing under Jay Gruden. And what I mean by that is when we lose under Ron Rivera, I kind of had faith in a, a coach that wouldn't stand for these defeats. And I knew that he'd be working extra hard. So we bounced back from them defeats. When we lost under Jay Gruden, I was a bit like, oh, I don't know if this guy really knows what he's doing. Yes, he was a good coordinator, but, you know, them questions start coming up again, don't they? Is he cut out to be a head coach? And like, while we're having like this little mini review, if you like, of our, of our season so far, where we're kind of in like a mini bye week, uh, you know, I just thought it'd be good to go over these kind of things. So um, I was more confident under Ron Rivera. So like kind of answering my own question that I asked you a minute ago is like, you know, we're we making progress. Are we, do you see like, like I was saying about the Steelers, like hardly any coaches over all these years. Do you feel that like, like me, do you feel, did you feel any comfortable under the defeats under Ron Rivera, knowing that we'd have someone like him, you know, Scott Turner, Jack Del Rio, for instance, and compared to last seasons and even seasons before them, if that makes sense. I don't. I think I would agree with that. And and to add to that, I think that as a fan base, we we probably were a bit unfair to Coach Rivera from the standpoint of he basically was inheriting the frustration that this fan base had with the years of mediocrity that had preceded him under Jay Gruden's tenure. So we should have, you know, just evaluated Coach Rivera on his own merits and not lump him and his regime with the, the, um, the previous years of, inequi- of uh, ineptitude, rather, uh, from the Washington football team. And I think that now that we're starting to see some progress, because uh, if you, if you, even, even if you look at the games that we lost, like, you know, we battled against Detroit um, and, and really could have won that game. We could we, easily be seven and four right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, we you know we battled the Giants twice. I mean, those were some fluky uh, losses. But you know, if you just win those three games right there, like you said, we would be seven and four versus four and seven. So, I think when you look at everything in totality, the team is a lot closer to being a winning team than it is a losing team. But the record doesn't speak to that because of kind of the the challenges that the team was going through at the beginning. And you figure, like, you know, one big challenge was we had instability at quarterback. Like, we had Haskins in, then we benched him, then we put in Kyle Allen, then he got hurt for the season, and then Alex came in, and then Alex has provided us that stability. And I saw an interesting stat. They said that since um, Alex Smith has been this, a starting QB for the Washington football team, this is going back to the 2018 campaign, Alex's record is eight and five. So mm-hmm. as a starting QB, 
for the Washington football team, he has a winning record. And if you remember when he got hurt, uh, the Washington football team was six and four. And then he got hurt and we just kind of went into this tailspin as a franchise. And now that he's kind of gotten, he's gotten the starting reins back, you know, and he's moving the ball and managing the, um, the football team. And he's playing very similar to the way he played before he got hurt in 2018. And now, you know, I think we've won what two, uh, two out of the past three games that he's been the starting quarterback. So I think that, you know, if you look at the, if you look at the four quarterbacks in the NFC East, Alex is the most uh, tenured. He's the most established. He has the strongest resume of all the quarterbacks. I mean, uh, the Giants are going to be starting Colt McCoy next week. Yeah. So, so they're they're taking our uh, our refuse um, of a guy <laughs> who used to play for us and trying to win some games. I mean, Carson um, Wentz is just. I don't know. He's a dumpster fire right now uh, with the Eagles and, you know, Andy Dalton and the Cowboys, they can't get right at all. So you look at Alex Smith and out of those three other quarterbacks, I mean, he's the strongest of the four. So we probably could argue that we got the best quarterback in the NFC East right now with Alex Smith. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, uh, Carl over at the Burgundy Zone, he'll appreciate this one. He uh, He's good at these. I'm not so good at them, but I'm going to give it a go. Um, I see the Washington football team at the minute. It's interesting to get your views, Maurice. I see us as like a, as like a steam train. We're kind of slowly going along the tracks, gradually picking up speed. And, you know, with Alex Smith probably going to be with us next season, I think we, we're going to get up to speed sort of thing with Dwayne Haskins in sitting in, sitting in one of the carriages, just waiting to waiting to take over them reins and waiting to drive that train. Is that something that you slowly, slowly see happening? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that we're starting to see the pieces come together. There's a player uh, that for the past couple of weeks has really, 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 um, impressed me a lot and has stepped up in a major way. And that's Morgan Moses. And, and, and the reason why I say that because Morgan Moses normally plays right tackle, but he stepped up and he's gone over to play left tackle and he's played very well. So Mm -hmm. I, and I, and and it's not necessarily the fact that he switched from the right side to the left side and playing well, but I think that what more, what Morgan Moses represents is the level of leadership and veteran experience and just the spirit that I think a coach Rivera is trying to instill in his players. And I feel like, you know, new leaders have emerged. Like I feel like Morgan Moses is a leader, obviously Uh, Terry McLaurin is a leader. And we talked about how he tracked down Jalen Smith with an interception last week against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, You see uh, Chase Young respond to the criticism the criticism he received at the end of the Detroit Lions game when he um, had that penalty and cost the team the game. Um, you know, he's been playing like a man possessed. Uh, you see um, Antonio Gibson and, and J.D. McKissick and Peyton Barber stepping up in the running back unit. Like, so, and, go, and it kind of goes back to what I said earlier in today's broadcast is that, you know, you're seeing the evolution of the Washington football team under Coach Rivera. You're seeing a team that's starting to believe um, in the program, in the leadership that he's putting out there. And I think that that confluence of the team believing 
and Coach Rivera's uh, values and principles and vision for the team going into the month of December is the perfect time because this could be a situation like why not us? You know, because again, like you said before, um, you know, the Steelers, I'm the, this, if you look at this upcoming game against the Steelers, right? So they're going to play Baltimore tomorrow, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed that they don't postpone the game again. But let's say they beat Baltimore because they're playing Baltimore in Pittsburgh. Baltimore is basically um, has been ravaged by COVID-19. There's going to be a skeleton crew of players up there. So they should win that game. So they'll go into the, the game against us 11-0. and So a team, like the Steelers are a good team, but they're also due for a loss, like a letdown. And the fact that they will be playing a short week because they're playing on Wednesday, then they got to come right back and play on Monday. And Washington has had all this time to rest, to evaluate their players, to really scheme up a good game plan against the Steelers. Um, that could be a game that uh, uh, Washington could steal. Uh, it wouldn't hurt the Steelers too bad. They would still be the top team in the uh, the AFC. You know, can have command and control of the number one seed. But it would work. It would work wonders for the Washington football team. Can you imagine what would happen if we were to beat the Steelers, um, and how that would transform just everyone's perception of this team during the month of December? It would be huge. It would be absolutely huge. You would hear me cheering from here. <laughs> right. If we pulled off that win, my friend, I, I generally think we can. We can, Maurice. I generally think we can uh, win on Monday. It's funny you mentioned Morgan Moses there, my friend. I've had uh, in my notes getting ready for this um, for this show. And yes, we don't just hit record; we do prep for these shows. Believe it or not, <laughs> um, I had two players. You've covered Morgan Mo- Moses there. One that I I've, I've literally wrote down on my little pad that I've got my little podcast pad here. Um, Cole Holcomb unsung hero i've been quite impressed with him last few games Maurice. what have you uh what have you made of him he's kind of gone under the radar yeah i, I think that he's going under the radar because he's not making mistakes you know he's you know he's give he's given tremendous run support he's bringing the aggression in the linebacking core that you need and and that's he's another that's another player that's demonstrating that leadership that you want out of your players and you know leading by example so uh, I think that right now we're starting to see these players as diamonds in the rough and, and the, uh, the rough is starting to fade away and the brilliance of the diamond is starting to shine through. And Cole Holcomb represent one of those diamonds in the rough that hopefully we can build a solid foundation uh, on a defense more broadly in the linebacking unit more uh, specifically to, you know, be a competitive team um, in the NFL. Um, I think right now, like you know, you know, earlier season we were saying that this team was no better than the team last year. Uh, I know I said that several times, and I had to eat those words. I had to eat those words with a salad um, because uh, they are they are a better team now than they were this time last year. I mean, you can see that the team is on the upswing, uh, not on the downswing, um, going into these final weeks. But you know how they finish this season is going to be you know, really indicative as to, you know, what type of 2021 we're going to have. Um, and I think that that is just what we got to look at is whether they win the division or not um, is less important of how they finish the season. I think just focus on playing good, solid football for the remainder of the season and see where the chips fall, where they may. Um, 
you know, uh, the Giants got a tougher schedule, I think, than we have in these uh, final weeks of the season. So um, we got really two tough games with Seattle and uh, Pittsburgh. But the other games, uh, you know, Carolina, uh, the Philadelphia, and the 49ers are very winnable games. So um, we just got to see what happens. Yeah, like uh, Coach Rivera says, uh, focus on what we have to do and control what we can control, my friend. Yeah. Um, just finishing up, Maurice, um, what are you expecting from uh, Scott Turner uh, this coming Monday? He got a lot of praise uh, for the Cowboys game, but, uh, you know, really called up some good plays. The playbook seems to be opening up more and more each week. Um, are you expecting to, I don't think we'll see as, I don't think we'll see any trick plays come Monday against the Steelers, but, um, what are you, uh, have you been pleased with what you've seen from Scott, uh, over the last couple of games? I know I certainly have. I've been very impressed with like the plays that we've, that we've called up. We have opened up the playbook. We've opened up the field more. What are you expecting come Monday, my friend? Well, I think number one, uh, first and foremost, uh, Scott Taylor's got to take in consideration uh, the opportunistic defense that uh, the Steelers are going to bring to bear. Uh, you know, the, the Steelers will make you pay if you make mistakes on offense. Um, if you throw an errant pass, um, they will get a, uh, an interception against you. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick is just a he is a monster of a defensive back in the backfield, so we didn't need to be mindful of that. Um, uh, they need to make sure that they are controlling the line of scrimmage and they are controlling the time of possession. I think those are the two big things. Uh, they need to establish the run early in that game and keep Ben Roethlisberger in that explosive offense on the sidelines. Uh, they have some monster young receivers, uh, uh, you know, led by Juju Schuster-Smith. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, I'm sorry, I always get that confused but uh i mean you know hyphenated names mess me up from time to time <laughs> but i mean they have they have weapons um galore on that team i mean they have earned that undefeated record so this is going to be a tremendous challenge for the football team and like i said before this will be a good litmus test to see where the team stands but uh you know again anything can happen on any given sunday uh just ask the uh las vegas raiders who got the brakes beat off of them wow by the Atlanta that, was Falcons. A, that was a whooping yeah that was yeah that was a, that was a shock but yeah let's let's hope for uh, let's hope for good things uh come monday Maurice. and everyone's like oh well you know we're going to be going into a, a short week but the 49ers play monday as well don't they yeah they do they do yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's you know it's it's, it's going to be the same for same for both teams going into the uh, going into the Forty ers Just quickly finishing uh, up on the on the NFL in general today, uh, Marisa Will Fuller suspended for six games. What did you make of that? Oh man, that was definitely a shock because Will Fuller had been playing some some really good ball for the uh, Houston Texans, and uh, that's a major target uh, off of the uh, the the field for uh, Deshaun Watson. I mean. He was he he was becoming the go-to guy for uh, Deshaun Watson after the departure of DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he had a monster of a game on, on uh, Thanksgiving against uh, the D- Detroit Lions. That may that may have been a reason why the NFL uh, tested him because of how well he played <laughs> against the Lions. So maybe he should have toned it down a bit so they wouldn't. Check uh, check on his uh, bodily fluids and make sure he wasn't doing something wrong. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, I mean that's going to be a huge miss for the Houston Texans. Um, they were starting to put it together. Uh, Deshaun Watson has been one of the most efficient quarterbacks of the past uh, five games. Looking at his stats. Um, so, I mean, they were looking to at least maybe potentially try to get in that wild card hunt, but losing Fuller, that's a huge loss for the Texans. And uh, definitely, I think it will impact their passing attack moving forward for the remainder of the season. Yeah, 100%, Maurice, 100%. Well, Maurice, as always, it's been a pleasure to talk uh, football with you. Uh, the DC Tweak Team podcast, we will be having being a fan this week uh, with Tim Meek. I can't wait for that. And next week, we've got a huge guest coming on. I can't, I won't say who it is yet, but I don't want to jinx it. But trust me, you will not want to miss next week's shows. I've just had a, a confirmation of a big guest coming on next week. Um, we will be back again on Friday as well, uh, previewing, looking at more to do with the game uh, next Monday. But Maurice, as always, my friends, thank you for uh, thank you for being my co-host, my wingman. Always a pleasure to talk football with you, buddy. Um, where can we find the DC Tweak team on Twitter, my friend? Oh yeah, so on Twitter you can follow us at DC Tweak Team one nine three two, or you can use the hashtag uh, hashtag DC Tweak Team and all your Washington football team tweets. Uh, it's a great way to uh, keep the conversation going. I, I love the fact that we have so many. Uh, podcasters um, and content providers uh, of fans of the Washington football team using the hashtag now, uh, the Burgundy Zone with Kyle and um, uh, and the the mics. Uh, They use it heavily. Uh, You know, the B&G report when Adam Adam uses it a lot. So there's a lot of quality content providers of Washington football using the hashtag. And you don't have to be a content provider. Just use the hashtag if you want to jump in to these conversations and stay connected with this robust fan network and Washington football team. And, uh, you know, this has been an evolutionary season for all of us. I mean, this is the way the season is ending is not the way we thought it was going to start it. I mean, you know, name change, new coaches, new players. Uh, there's a lot of transition for the fans, but I, I feel as though we're starting to settle and, um, and we're going to get our sea legs back as a team and as a franchise and as a fan base. So just stick with it, guys. Don't give up. Uh, good things are happening. Good things on the horizon. And just keep the faith. Yeah, uh, I know I said that we were finished, Maurice. But just quickly, how good are the Washington football team fans? The the podcasts and the products that get put out there, you know, we just touched on a few there. But me and you listen to them all. Uh, just how good is it to, like, just sit back and realize this team is so lucky to have so much content put out, aren't they? Oh my goodness. It's, uh, I mean, first of all, like these fans, you know, like the level of talent, um, and, and intellect and, um, and production quality that these fans are generating with these podcasts and their, their live shows on Instagram or on YouTube is second to none. And I think what's really, really important with the um, the Washington football team under the leadership of uh, Julie Donaldson is that they recognize that as well. Uh, I, I just saw that uh, Parker is going to be featured on uh, the, uh, the Washington football show hosted by Julie Donaldson uh, today. So and he puts out quality content all the time. Uh, you know, Kyle and the boys with the Burgundy Zone. I mean, they, you know, they're doing a good, a great job. And, you know, and then what I really love is the fact that you have media personalities like, uh, you know, the uh, Washington football pod or, or with uh, NBC Sports Washington, like with people like J.P. Finley and um, 
and Peter Haley and um, uh, Mitch Tischler, um, they'll get on these different shows. I mean, Julie's been on our podcast. Um, Lake Lewis, you know, he's a consummate professional. He's been on our show several times. So there's this sharing of content and ideas and information between these fan podcasts and, and the football team itself and the media that creates a robust ecosystem for the Washington football team fan base. And I, and I only see that growing in the future because there's so many people creating podcasts. I mean, you take Maddie, um, Maddie, for example, who was on being a fan last week, you know, shameless plug for the being a fan, uh, uh, show that you created, uh, you know, just extraordinary. Not only does she have extraordinary knowledge as a fan, but her vocal quality is amazing. So she's putting out, um, great content on our podcast. She sounds great when she's talking about the football team. So there's so much talent out there. Um, and it's really a, a joy to be a part of this fan base. And and I think that the podcast content that you're seeing from these different fans really is proof positive of how much these fans care about this football team and all of the challenges that we face this year. And make no mistake about it, our fan base and this team has faced a lot of challenges. But, you know, we're seeing it through. We, we're, we're demonstrating the flexibility and adaptability that you want from a fan base um, to see this team be successful and move forward. So uh, I think the future is bright for us, and we just got to uh, stay in for the long haul. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, Josh, a uh, good mate, a uh, good friend of ours, Josh over at the Burgundy Network podcast. He's chatting to Jason Wright today. So, you know what I mean? Just uh, just good luck to him. Again, Parker, he's on NBC Washington tonight, I believe, is there being this Tuesday. Uh, I think it's like 10.30 for me or 10 o'clock for me tonight, 5 p.m. over there in the States. So make sure you check out Parker. But yeah, just uh, like you say, while we've been chatting on this little review, Maurice, the podcast that the Washington football team put out, I listen to each and every single one of them. Sorry if we haven't mentioned you, but there's just like so many to to mention. Big Doug, everyone over there. Tay and Tay, I listen to them. Everyone, Burgundy's and obviously they're, they're, they're our guys, you know what I mean? We're really, really good friends with them. But all of them, every single podcast that's put out is such great content and like I think Josh said Josh Taylor said it's interesting to hear different fans views and opinions of how they do things and how they see games to how me and you might see a game recently yeah it's uh it's really good so kudos to everyone keep going keep grinding this uh, it's amazing work my friend but this has been the DC Tweet Team podcast this has been episode 57 I have been your host Andy Burrows till next time everybody thanks for listening